I wanted to do something that had a purpose. I just want to let the creativity find its way to me. Something that brings your soul back into your body. And let it out. It's therapy. This is the Energy in Motion podcast with Anna, Yora, and Kelsey Law. Sometimes the greatest adventure is simply a conversation. I think that being a mom, I'm not sure I would be an artist if I hadn't become a mom. Maureen Meyer walked in and she immediately felt like one of our friends and we dove right into the conversation and and she's an incredible storyteller and I found it so inspiring hearing her talk about leaving um, the pressures of a career in corporate America as a graphic designer and, and then stepping into her power as an artist. And then hearing her relate that back to the way that she raises her daughters, I think is a much needed conversation and, and something that is so current. And as women and as humans, hearing more and more people stepping into the calls of their soul um, frees us all to look at what that means for us. I feel like meeting Maureen was such a gift for Anna and I, and I can't wait to see where we can create together and what that means for our community. I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with a beautiful storyteller, Maureen. Hey, Energy Emotion, welcome to another wonderful podcast, and we're so excited to have Maureen Meyer here with us. Um, she's a mixed media artist, or as you were saying, collage. Sure. What's the difference? Fiber artist. Uh, mixed media, you can have, you're really mixing medias. So you could be, have paint, collage, stitching. It's literally a mix of media. So it's a, it is an accurate description got it it's a more educated and you were just saying you used to describe it as collage mm -hmm. and that you shifted out of that and started to call it mm -hmm. mixed media yep was yep. there was there a process of ownership in that um yeah actually because I think that it it sort of allowed me to step back and think about what how to describe your work and what that exactly means. So I feel like I was starting to go down the rabbit hole of only collage. And then in stepping back and thinking about the term mixed media, I started to research other artists, you know, currently and throughout history. And it, it sort of sparked this whole other realization that it actually doesn't only need to be paper. You know, you can be collaging with a lot of different things, which is a whole long other conversation about my tendencies as an artist um, and how I've had to break a lot of patterns within my own work that come from being a graphic designer for 13 years in New York. Okay, so that's really the foundation of your artistic career. Yeah, like yep. you... You, I actually did not even know that about you. Yeah, so I, when I was an undergrad, I studied literature and mm. I minored in studio art because I loved 
to paint. Um, and when I was graduating, it even though I actually really just wanted to only paint and do nothing else, I was very afraid of never making any money or, you know, being very, very unsuccessful that way. Um, and so I put a suit on one day thinking maybe I'll go to law school, even though I really, really did not want to do that. Um, and I went to like a job fair and I saw this little booth for this small school in Atlanta. I went to college in the South, so they were there lo relatively locally. Um, and it was for a graphic desi a design school. And I basically didn't even really know what that was. I didn't even understand what I was looking at. Like it kind of looked like art, but it was digitized and I was, like what you know what is this so I ended up going to school there um and it is I mean the artist way that book the artist way which I've not read thoroughly but I've dappled in a bit she describes it as a, a lot of artists go on a parallel track because they're almost afraid to mm -hmm. be an artist and I would definitely say that that was exactly what graphic design was for me it was I really wanted to be doing art but I wanted to have a secure enough profession where I could um, perhaps hold a steady job with a steady income, whereas I knew being an artist is not, not that, um, at least the kind of artist I wanted to be. So yeah, so that just became its whole own trajectory, being a graphic designer and then moving to New York and then just getting into that life and that mindset for a long time. What what happened to help you shift out of that and back into being an artist? I think I would say midway through as a graphic designer, I did take a painting class. Like I couldn't stand it, actually, not making art. It was really, really frustrating. But at the same time, I didn't fully consciously even consider it because New York is so outrageously expensive and I was at a phase of my life where my husband and I had just gotten married. We were thinking about having children. My first daughter came much, much sooner than we expected. So there was literally no room to even think about, I'm going to quit my job and make fine art that no one knows about. Um, so it was really just a tunnel vision thing in New York, except that I would have these moments where I was like, I would talk about it, you know, oh, one day I'll have a studio and I'll paint again, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't until moving to LA, actually, that I sort of knew that shift would happen. Partly because the industry I was working in, which was the beauty industry, I was starting to do some work with some fashion, people in fashion, some stylists. That industry is just really different here, totally different. And so it didn't, there was no obvious parallel track for me to jump onto here. Um, I did work for about a year, a year and a half with two other amazing ladies. Um, Brady Cunningham and Katie Burgess have a company called Wall for Apricots and they are in, they do interior design. And I, we were sort of, the three of us got together um, the first year that I was here, like I said, to try to offer clients the whole package from branding to interiors to sort of whatever they might need. Um, and that was, it was great, except I could feel that I really didn't want to do design anymore. Mm -hmm. The more distance I got, the more I wasn't in the 
consulting corporate machine, the more it was like tasting freedom where I was like, you know, I have two kids. I have this much time when I'm not with them. How do I want to spend it? It was not like I was raking in a bunch of money that I couldn't say no to. Um, And so my husband in the best way one day, because I was very conflicted about it, and I felt that it was too much of a luxury to stop doing what I had been trained to do and start doing this other thing. Um, And he said, I mean, no offense, but you don't make enough money to not explore this other thing. And I was like, you're (laughs) right. You're totally right. I don't. Um, so it, that was sort of the jumping off point was just to give myself permission to, I mean, that's very, a very cliche thing to say now, but it's so true. But it's true. It is so true. Some cliches are just true. They're just true. And Mm -hmm. that one is very true, especially I would say for women and especially for moms because giving yourself, you know, quote unquote permission becomes, I think, harder and harder. Um, and I couldn't really do it actually in the beginning. The, I was completely petrified of what that would even mean to try to break into the art world. So I was like, well, I need to go get my MFA. I'm not going to do this unless I go back and get my master's. And then I went and I met with, you know, this wonderful admissions director and she said, basically, even though you have an entire design portfolio and I completely see your point of view, you will have to rebuild a whole portfolio to even apply for an MFA. And so, oh, and it's a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> and so it was not an option to go and get my MFA because I didn't have the work. And certainly, you know, with two little kids not working, we didn't have a hundred thousand dollars to just throw at school. So she's, but the, the beauty of that meeting was she basically gave me the assignment of, will you, maybe you go build a portfolio and then maybe you apply later. And so I left like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to start making work and I'm going to build a for- portfolio and then I'm going to apply to school. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's basically how it happened. I got a tiny studio because the kitchen table was not working. Um, and then it just, and then I think after a few months, and now I'm just giving you the whole story. Uh, That's why we were here. <laughs> yeah, stories. Exactly. I just decided to start an, to create an Instagram account because I was literally creating work in a vacuum. Even though I had the intention of later applying to school, it actually start, started to bother me that I wasn't showing it to anyone. And so I didn't really have any goals other than just wanting to put it out there. Mm. Um, and so I created an Instagram account and I wanted it to strictly be about my work and not about me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily anonymous, but just literally about the work on its own. Um, and so I called it apricots because I was still sort of working a little bit with those ladies um, and not wanting it to be my name because it just didn't want it to be so much again about me personally so I just started posting you know and it didn't feel scary because who cares you know I'm not seeing these people they're not seeing me it's just a place where I can people can look at my work if they want or not for free Um, and so that was literally how it's how that 
transition happened from design over to fine art? Well, we had messaged with you, I guess, July of last year about getting Mm -hmm. together. And at that point, you were apricots. And then when we were together this past week, we're like, we would love to reconnect and really make that happen. And we couldn't find you because (laughs) we were looking for apricots. Yeah. And so you've recently then changed over to being Yari Meyer. Very recently, as in like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And it that... Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say congratulations because I think, um, I feel that I guess there's a bravery in making that transition. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, like putting your name to your R is, uh, feels for me really empowering just hearing you say your story, you know? Yeah. And the small steps and transitions that you've taken uh, along your path that you've shared with us to get to this place. And it seems really uh, special. So yeah. we, I, I couldn't be happier <laughs> that Thank we you. are interviewing you two weeks after that change and not yeah. in July of last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's quite profound and I'm really excited now to see where that change takes you next. Yeah, it it was definitely not a small decision because to that point, it, there is a bravery in putting your name alongside your work, especially if you are not a quote unquote, big established artist. Um, I think it becomes your brand at that point if you're there. And before that, you it's scary to sort of own what you make, especially if you've been a little bit anonymous to that point. Not anonymous like Banksy anonymous, but, you know, it didn't have my actual name in, you know, my Instagram handle. Um, and I don't generally post any photos of me. So it, it was sort of this like extension of me. Um, and I, I have a, a friend who's very savvy, she and her husband on a record label and she definitely called me out on it a few weeks ago and she was like why have you not changed it why are you still apricots and i was sort of like stopped in my tracks and said you're right <laughs> and I, and i took like a week to think about it um it i was a little bit at that point feeling like well now it's apricots and is that weird and I just decided with all of these things, you know, there's potentially an upside and a downside, but it's time to just have, just be me. And of course there are like a hundred million Maureen Myers. So then I had to do some variations um, in order to find one that hadn't been taken yet. Um, But it's, it's been relatively seamless actually. A couple of people have asked, you know, I, if there are people looking for apricots, I don't know, because maybe they haven't found me yet. Um, but yeah, it was. I feel like it was probably symbolic, maybe even more than I consciously realized, too. I'm excited move. about it. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. Can you tell me what the handle is? Because I, I think we should plug it just because sure. there's such a change. Thank you. Uh, it's underscore Maureen underscore Meyer underscore. Which is similar to, because your apricots was mm-hmm. underscore, it apricots was. underscore. <laughs> yeah. um, but the positive thing is that we still found you. Yeah. So if people are looking for you, then they they will be able to find you because we, we got to you, thankfully. Yeah. 
and so happy that you're here. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned that you're a mom of two girls. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it is to be an artist alongside with being a mom? Yeah, um, I think that being a mom, I'm not sure I would be an artist if I hadn't become a mom, mostly because in, you have to value yourself a certain amount in order to make art. You have to basically respect your own point of view enough to spend your time doing that. Um, again, mm-hmm. especially if you're in the early days of your career, uh, like me in my second career, um, you have to, on the days when you're like, you know, I'm just alone in a studio, the, the sort of imposter syndrome that comes in. Um, I think that as a mom, you start to realize that it's not only for you, actually, everything you do is also taking them into account. Um, and so I actually think the final, final straw for me, um, coincidentally, the same friend that called me out on, uh, not changing my Instagram handle. Her name is Jay, Jay Rives. Um, (laughs) I went to, she's Australian and they live here now, but at that point they were still living back in Sydney and I went to visit her and her mom had passed away at that point. Maybe it was six or seven years prior. And she, the way that she talks about her mom and the relationship she had with her mom was, we talked a lot on that trip and it really impacted me. Um, And part of what she would talk about is her mom was an artist. She was a quilter. And so throughout her time growing up, her mom would make their clothes. She would make, you know, all of these elaborate quilts. And that was her art. You know, even though it was considered a craft, it still kind of is. It is absolutely an art. And that was her mom fitting art into her life. She obviously had couldn't help it. She had to make art in some capacity. And so... Jay had told me about all of the quilts. Um, and I went at one point with her dad to her house that she had grown up in. Her dad is still living in the house. And the house is literally, the walls are covered in quilts that her mom made. And a lot of them had um, inscriptions on the back that she had written to her kids and her husband. And and she has a little sewing room that is has been left exactly as it was. And so to walk around and see these like tangible bits of her mom was so profound for me. And I had this moment of like, all of my work is in the computer. Like what? This is not what I want. This is what I want, which is, you know, contributing something, making something that lives on past Mm -hmm. this life. Um, And when I went back to Jay and her husband's house that night, we talked about it and she showed me the quilt that she and Nathan, her husband had on their bed at that point. And it was her mom's wedding gift to them. And she was already sick when they um, had decided to get married. And so she started the quilt and she passed away before she finished it but she had started a local sort of quilting group um, and the other ladies in the group finished it for her. And they had it on their bed and it was completely 
gorgeous. I mean, her quilts are really different than sort of the traditional New England quilts. They're so striking. And I really kept thinking about it after that trip. Like, what what do I want to show my girls? Because I have two girls in terms of, um, you know, what I value with the time that I'm not with them and just what I value as a person. I mean, it, it's obviously part of my whole life and ethos is art and creativity and all of that. Um, but I also wanted them to have that, you Mm. know, later. Um, and it, it, it sort of changed it at that point pretty quickly where I didn't, I, I was able to let go of the fear of, what a luxury it is to be able to go and make art that maybe is not selling because you've just started making it and that no one even knows about. That was a mindset that is so counter to the New York mindset that I had. Um, It took a while to let go of that. My husband was really generous because whenever I would start to question it and feel like, you know, who am I to do this and you know I should be doing something that's making more money for our family or helping somebody else he would say you know what just just make the work just forget about everything else just let yourself go there and make the work because Mm -hmm. he works with a lot of artists musicians and he knows that at some point you actually just have to or you're mentally and emotionally, like your soul is not okay. Um, and so that was sort of the the transition point. And now for my girls, um, you know, they're getting older and so they're starting to come to the studio more. In the beginning, it was not as much because my younger one is wild and she would like mm-hmm. come and just go, like tear the place up. Um, and now it's really... I mean, it's just part of their life. It's part of the way they see things. You know, they they really like going and seeing, like, no one else works in this space. It's just, just you. And, you know, I'll say, yeah, and are you here all day? And I'll say, well, you know, some days yes, and some days no, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that it's, it's what I love and it's definitely not an easy route to go, but I think it is important for them to see that I did do what I loved at the end of the day. I, you know, could absolutely be doing a job in design and probably be making a lot more money, but I would rather have the one that I'm passionate about and and they know that because I talk to them about it, especially as they get older. So, you know, I think that it all kind of comes into play as far as how it's unfolded. Well, and what a gift to be able to grow up with that perspective for your girls instead of, like Mm -hmm. you said, the New York perspective. And it'll be interesting to see where they, you know, take that's power of yeah. being able to do what you love and let the rest go and to also have an example mm-hmm. of the courage that it takes to do that. Yes. Um, I yes. think is really cool. It's really a big yes. gift. I mean, we are definitely obviously in a very 
women empowered time. So Thank to have goodness. two girls, it really comes up a lot. And I have definitely made decisions with that in mind, sort of either counteracting that or leaning into that. Um, and it's still, you know, there's, there's moments, a lot of sort of, um, toys and colors and clothing, all that stuff is typically still very, you know, leans one gender toward the other. And a lot of that is starting to change in the way that people talk and the way that people parent, um, which is amazing. But as far as being a female and having them see what being, you know, a mom looks like today, I do think is really, really different. I mean, we, my husband helps with the chores, you know, it's not like we do not have a super traditional setup where I do everything house related and he brings home the bacon. Like, it's just, it's not like that. And so that's also really nice for them to see. Um, you know, I didn't, I don't want them to think of me as fragile. And I do think that was a, that's sort of an old mentality of some moms, you know, it's a feminine, it was sort of a feminine, um, stereotype maybe that that was you know delicate beauty you know all of that and I'm finding that as they get older I want more and more for them to like go after it like I find that my husband and I are both sort of pushing the like just go for it do not worry about being nice I mean you can't be an asshole but like <laughs> you know this the all of that is sort of changing um and, you know, my, I've had some health stuff over the past year. We all had pneumonia in the fall. I've been sick a lot since then. There's definitely some mystery surrounding what's causing some of it. But I, I started to realize that my daughters were thinking of me as sick a lot. And I was like, no, 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 no. This has, we have to turn this around. This is not okay. Um, and I just to take a step back 15 years ago, before having kids, before being married, I was a triathlete. My husband actually was too. When we were dating, we were both doing a lot of that in New York. And I always thought maybe someday I'll go back to it, but you know, I don't know. And then I had kids and obviously your body goes through a lot of changes and you're busy. Your whole life is different. You're not, you know, thinking as much about the same types of things. And then I had planned to do a triathlon right around the time that I got pneumonia. And so long story short, I was all of a sudden a few weeks ago, like I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna, better enough. I'm going to do one. I'm going to do one like in a few weeks. I'm just going to figure it out. Like I hadn't really quote unquote trained the way I used to, but I was like, I need to make this happen. Cause I need them to see that, that I, I am not, I'm okay. You know, you might even be sick for a period of time and then you bounce back. You're resilient, you know, all those things. And so this past Saturday, I did the Pasadena triathlon. And the night before my older daughter said, mommy, I'm really worried. And I said, what are you worried about? She's like, I'm so nervous that you're going to get hurt or something's going to happen. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, she knew I had had a bike accident, you know, years ago when I was doing it. And so I was able to like unpack that with her a little bit. And she said, 
like I, I was just like, what, you know, what if you fall off your bike? And I said, you know, obviously we talked through that could happen, but it probably won't happen. I'll be careful. And then she said, but what if in the pool, like all of these men pass you? And I looked at her <laughs> and I was like, Violet, I will be passing a lot of men in the pool. Okay. Watch in the pool and I will be passing a lot of men in the pool. And her <laughs> eyes were really big and she was like, okay. And, and so that was like, a really, really cool experience because yes, a lot of people passed me, but I also passed a lot of people and they saw it. You know, they just saw all of the like unfolding of you have to make your own stuff happen, Mm. you know? So having daughters and being an artist and doing these things that are not easy, I think is, oh, I'm always having them in mind in terms of trying to lead by example in terms of how to think as a girl now versus mm. way back when I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> That's powerful. It's so powerful. On so many levels, because you've like granted them permission already in so many ways. And I'm assuming that, you know, as you change your habits in the world today as a woman, you also, you know, have to face the old and, and, yeah. and, you know, dis- dissemble and unthread and rethread and, yeah, you know, which oh, yeah. n- in some way brings me back to your work mm-hmm. because that is what you do. You piece pieces together and make yeah. them something new. Yep. And, um, I just can't help but see the poetry in it all, mm. um, which really, not to make it about us for a second, but just makes me really excited when we have these moments with humans that we're just meeting for the first time and yeah. connecting on not just a human level, but an artistic level and all in all the levels. Yeah. And you see the poetry in it all. And, and, and a big part of what Kelsey and I feel really passionate about in doing when we sit in front of artists like you is that we not that we get to understand your work in such a different way and that mm-hmm. we share these conversations in hopes that people will also not only be moved by this conversation on all levels but that can understand what it is that you do why you do it you know and yes. so for me, the poetry of what you just said has really just sort of um, been made really clear. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I have this, um, a friend of mine, and she and I are both pretty introverted. And she, I was telling her at one point that growing up, I wasn't, I was very shy. And so oftentimes people would tell me what to do. And I always had this voice. Can I swear on here? Always. Okay, great. I had this voice in my head, like, don't fucking tell me what to do. And of course, I never said that, but I, and I would usually do whatever they told me what to do. But the voice was always like, do not fucking tell me what to do. And she just, she, and I have that as a running joke now, because she, you know, also has the voice. And I think that that is eventually what happened with graphic design was, Mm. It is the nature of graphic design, for better or worse, that you are, you know, answering a creative brief or you are answering to the client's needs. But at the end of the day, for me, it felt like they were really fucking telling me what to do, even Mm. though they were paying me and it's fair. I didn't 
I didn't like it anymore. And I think that breaking from that and being able to literally be in my own space, mentally, physically, where I make all of the rules has been like the biggest gift aside mm. from my family in the world because a lot of people do not ever get to do that. And I am very, very cognizant of that and very appreciative of that, um, you know, especially because growing up as a girl, oh, you know, there's a lot of being told what to do. Um, and I was good at doing what people told me what to do. It made me a good graphic designer. I could do what they wanted um, until I was like, I won't anymore. I don't want to do that. It took all. you so far. Yeah. It served you to a certain point And then, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we talk a lot about, um, or lately, I feel like we've been talking a lot about self self authorizing and stepping into our power and using our voices and, and finding out for us what this world is meant for us to get out of it. And I, I just think that it's um, really incredible to see someone like you doing that mm. and, and setting that example and setting that example for your daughters. And, and I think that generations after us are, are going to just have that in a different way than we did and do, that it just is what is. Yeah, I hope so. And highlighting your husband as well, because that, that, yeah. you know, that is a, that is a new language in the yeah. masculine, or I don't want to say masculine, but in the male community, you know? Oh yeah. And so that's beautiful too. What an example. Yeah. I still definitely know, you know, people our age who do have the older, you know, more traditional Systems, setup yeah. and we're in this zone of that is still sort of acceptable but it's, it's on the way out, you know? I mean, you've got the full other extreme where, you know, the dad is fully at home with the kids and, and we're in this like really cool time, I think, where I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He's also an artist and his wife is a doctor um, and their kids have her last name. And so we had this whole conversation. We were actually downtown at the MoCA um, at the pattern and decoration show, which is a female based exhibit and is amazing. Highly recommend it. And we had that whole conversation about why, why is it that kids just automatically get the dad's name? That is ridiculous. When you think about it, I was sort of like, why do my kids have my husband's last name? Because it's just, it's so ingrained, ingrained. so much ingrained stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I did not, take his last name, but our kids have his last name. And it sort of just made me, it's all coming up in conversation. Well, and sure. I think too, like my mom and I were talking about her mom's generation. They didn't make any choices for the most part. And yeah. then our mom's generations, they did everything. They worked and they mm -hmm. ran the home and they did. And I, I look at my friends raising kids and some single and some married without kids and some just working. We're all in just very different spaces. And yeah. we have this um, different thing of that we all choose from the pick one in the box yeah. that works for us. And, and there is no right way. 
but we also are releasing that need to do everything yeah. and and letting people help us and redefining what that looks not for us as a whole as women, but what that looks like for each of us as individuals. Mm, yes. And I think that is so exciting because I look at my mom's generation and how hard they work. They work their asses off and oh, yeah. and trying to do everything. And no woman should have to do, no man, no person should have to do all of those things. And I think it's really fun to watch the women in my life choose what their life and how they're going to do that looks. And, and I just think... Um, that's going to also make room for a lot of creativity and a lot yeah. of um, art with a very different perspective because it's from such a, a much more pure place than mm-hmm. pushing from what we're expected to do or what we think we yes. should do or what people tell us we should do. And and um, I just, I, I really think that's impactful and makes me excited yeah. as an artist to see what blooms from that. Yeah, when my younger daughter was nine months old, I was literally like climbing the walls mentally um, because I was at home with the girls because in my mind, that was what you did if you could financially. You have kids and then you take care of them. I mean, you don't go and like give them to someone else to take care of, that is your job. And I was mentally very, very, very restless and unhappy at home. Um, and so a, a therapist at the time said, I, I don't even think they typically say stuff like this, but she was like, I think you need to go back to work. And I remember saying to her, can I do that? And she said, yes. And I was like, well, really? And it was, she literally gave me permission mm. to go back and actually be a person and this was back in New York obviously and earn money and you know that became my path and you know we ended up having the most magical woman in the world as our nanny who basically became like a family member to us while we had her which was a gift to the girls so the whole mentality it definitely is shifting and you know roles are shifting it, in a very cool way where it's not, it's really not one size fits all. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting um, time in history to be a part of, you know, in, in, yeah. in putting together a new collage and defining mm-hmm. what fits us as individuals and making room and holding space mm-hmm. for people's differences as well you know some people still feel comfortable in the old and and Mm -hmm. uh, and and that may be your friend or your sister or whatever it is and making space for that as well and yeah you know I just think it's um feels a lot more gentle and breathing you know yeah and I was thinking like permission you know I like to unpack words sometimes (laughs) and like the word permission is permission like per your mission like Mm someone gives you permission to be on your mission yeah you know and we're doing that you know and thank you for coming here today and sharing your heart and your story with us and pieces of your family with us because it it does just that hopefully Mm -hmm. these conversations do just that create permission in the world and with our audiences and 
for us, even sitting here listening to you, yeah. you know, it just solidifies my mission, mm. um, our mission, Absolutely. you know, as humans, as individuals, as women, as mothers one day or not, whatever that is, you know? Yep. So yep. thank you for that. And it makes me really grateful to add you to our community and, and realizing how much and just sitting in this space with, with incredible artists like you, it just makes me feel really lucky. So thank you for coming and yeah. letting us get to know you and opening up. Thank mm. you for having me and for creating it. Yeah. A little at a time, right? Mm -hmm. All right, Energy Emotion. Thank you so much for um, taking a little time out of your day to get to know Marie Meyer and definitely check her work out. It's beautiful and inspiring and um, not called apricots. <laughs> and now we can know where it comes from yes. which is yeah. so really cool. cool really cool well, yeah. I feel like we're in the know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now you are too alright guys take care bye thanks so much for tuning in you guys I hope that you walked away with something that inspired you yeah and we've got lots of great artists coming up so be sure to check out future podcasts and you can follow us on Instagram at energyemotion8 if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out as well. We are open. And if you have amazing artists that you know, or if you yourself are an amazing artist, please also reach out. We are always looking for people to support. Absolutely. We're building a community and our goal is to continue to give artists voice to their passion and their love and to unite us all through our art. So see ya. Bye.